Hello there, this is Aaron Osborne, the host of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. On my podcast, I chat to people about music and specifically records they really like. Andy was kind enough recently to come on and have a chat, and I've previously had guests from bands like Psychroptic, Cosmic Psychos, Violent Soho, Nails, and people from all walks of life who love talking about music. Head to obliviousmaximus.net for more info or search for Oblivious Maximus podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on social media. Brutal! Hey, welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. Before we kick into this episode, of course, go over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling is the best way to support this podcast. And support starts from only a buck a month. Dirt cheap. Set and forget. You won't even notice it. And there are additional tiers to get access to the exclusive Patreon podcast episode that comes out every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. Sydney time. And there are other tiers that you can get access to free stuff, giveaways, stuff that I get in the post. I give first dibs to my Patreon community. It's all over there at Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. Ahoy, it's the Antisocial Podcast, episode 287, I had to think about that one, and my guest on this episode is a first, a first for this podcast, a first for Antisocial, I have a boxer on the podcast, and I should say actually a professional boxer, because no doubt there's been some guests on in the past who have partaken in a few of the old fisty cuffs, if you know what I mean, but um, this is this is a professional my guest is the real deal, and my guest on this episode is Mark Lucas. Mark, too sharp, Lucas. And when I say the real deal, I like I mean it, legit. Mark's been competing for over seventeen years. He's he's been in uh, one hundred and twenty odd fights. His first fight was when he was fifteen years of age. He's uh, a Commonwealth Games representative in in twenty fourteen. He's a champion in a couple of, I don't know, divisions or something like that. I've got no idea what they stand for. The WBA, PABA, and OPBF, I probably should have asked him, but it sounds impressive. I mean, this guy is legit. And uh, what an amazing conversation, uh, just an incredible guy. And um, I think I think, you'll, I think you'll dig it. I think you'll get something out of this. Um, yes, we talk about boxing. I ask a bunch of dumb questions, as you would typically expect from your mate, Andy. But uh, I think more or less what we talk about is life and I think for a lot of us, um, you know, people that are past our twenties, at least when we sort of reflect back, the our our twenties between twenty and thirty really defines us as people. We think it does, and our identity is completely swept up in that that decade. And coming out of that into your thirties uh, can be can be a really daunting thing, especially if it's been uh, a decade of extremes, which uh, Mark has certainly uh, experienced himself. So. A lot of uh, a lot of reflective talk, and he's just got an amazing perspective on life, and it's just it's really really cool to hear him talk about um, a number of his experiences and sort of where he is now mentally, um, coming to the end of his career at the uh, ripe old age of around thirty one years old. He's he's ancient, so uh, you can go and follow Mark on the socials, Mark Two Sharp Lucas on uh, on the uh, old Facebook, and on Instagram he is. Two Sharp Lucas and the number two, but of course I'll have all the links in the show notes over at andysocial.net and andydowling.net. And if you're listening to this podcast on time, this Friday, Mark is fighting in Canberra and you can watch it on Fox Sports um, and on KO. I think they're two separate things. I'm pretty sure they are. He's, he's Andy knowing what he's talking about. And uh, he's fighting a guy by the name of, oh, get this, Isaac the Head Splitter Hardman. So there you go. Yeah, big, big, uh, big task coming up. Maybe uh, I'll just read the spiel off the uh, off the event page. But it says Isaac the Head Splitter Hardman makes his first visit to the capital, defending his newly won ANBF Australian middleweight crown against the highly distinguished and former Commonwealth Games representative 
Mark Lucas. So there you go. Mark's going into battle against the head splitter, and that's happening this Friday night. So you can tune in on Fox Sports and watch that. Um, and uh, if you're in Canberra, um, go and buy a ticket. Starts, it kicks off from 6 p.m., and there's a few few fights happening. So uh, get amongst it. But um, I reckon you guys will really enjoy this chat. So uh, what do I usually say? Enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with the man himself, Mark Too Sharp Lucas. I'm close to the fight, so I'm not much, not much um, fun to be around at the minute at times, just with the diet in and weight cutting and stuff. Some days I'm all right, other days I feel like shit. So, um, is, is that yeah. like a? Obviously, it's a physical thing that you're going through, but I, I guess mentally it would really sort of knock you around a fair bit. Yeah, there's like a there's this funny little like I'm a pretty chilled out guy by nature, but um. Like it's it's a funny little wave you ride as you're getting ready to to fight someone because you stay as calm and cool and relaxed as you can, but but internally you're kind of transforming yourself. I guess because you know you know you're getting ready to do battle with someone um, at a certain date. You know now it's only eight days away or so. So um, I guess you just have those days where subconsciously you you're just transforming and you don't really care about too much else it's it's weird it's it's a it's a weird thing to go through and it's hard to kind of get across to people but it's it, you are just literally getting getting ready to do battle with someone so i think it just takes over sometimes is it something like i, I assume obviously focus so your mind's elsewhere so you're just constantly like just thinking about what you have to do, the next steps, what the coming day is going to look like, and obviously the the fight itself. But I would assume, like some of these particular days that you're talking about, there's probably an extra element of probably tension because you're you're sort of mentally and physically getting stretched, and so your tolerance and just ability to be able to converse with people might just be a bit of a bit of a struggle. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it's like, man. <laughs> <laughs> just the uh, it's the day to day stuff that it just it puts everything into perspective and it just seems really petty a lot of the time and just because your energy is so limited especially if you're doing a big weight cut or whatever um, you know you just you want to put it into into what you need to for the day which is usually just your training and then um you don't have much time or patience for anything else so yeah you're pretty well spot on there oh man at least at least you've got a a valid excuse to have those days where you're just a little bit hard to be around like for me if i have a shit day i can't say i'm training for something you know i'm just i'm just i'm just being you're just being an asshole (laughs) (laughs) you nailed it you nailed it (laughs) i can't i can't get i might try that with my wife but she knows me too well she'll be like you're not I haven't seen you move in a week. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm cutting weight, babe. <laughs> yeah, she'll just look me up and down. And go, I, I've seen you drinking those beers. You're not you're not cutting anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the first time we we spoke, but I've watched I've watched a couple of the podcasts, and I mean, I think for people listening, hopefully, a bunch of people that have that have started listening to this chat that we're having now have watched or listened to the podcast that I was on that you normally co-host, but you weren't there at the time, um, Smack, yeah. uh, Smack Panda podcast. And um, just watching the, the previous episodes with you on it and just talking to you now, as you said, you've got a very calm like demeanor to you. And I know this is going to, I'm going to have a bunch of dumb questions all, all throughout this. So just 
just get ready. But no, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but, but a stupid question might be, you know, how does how does somebody that has that that personality and that persona fit in so well with something that can be so aggressive and calculated and well, not calculate is probably the reason why it sort of leans into your personality, but something that stereotypically, I think when people look at a boxer or a fighter, they think that there's probably a reckless sort of aspect of that person's personality that fits in quite well. So why does it work for you? Mm, it's funny, like boxing's, boxing, to, to be any good at it, requires extreme discipline and self-control. So... Um, it's you have to be precise with everything. So going into a fight, there has to be an element of intent and aggression, yes, but it's like you have to be so aware of when to use it, um, how to channel it at the right times, when to pull back on it. So, you know, I think this, the stereotype of, of what someone thinks of when they think of someone fighting is a muscle-bound tattooed up aggressive um i don't know want to be alpha male type person but you know in actuality those those types never really seem to be very successful in fight sports um because it's all emotional it's all front running and um and they get out thought they get beat up they get tired um and generally they don't have that discipline of and that character to be able to go through um, what you have to go through in a fight. So um, I don't know if I really answered that then. It makes sense, Bounced though. around a little bit. No, that's okay. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I do that all the time. But it <laughs> it, it makes sense. It, ma- it makes sense because I just know what I'm like when I'm emotional and I'm reacting to situations rather than actually sort of assessing and being aware of where I am and what I'm feeling. And so that's when I start to react really irrationally and then you know that that's where all the regrets start coming in all the consequences and so i can i can appreciate when sort of you know you're up the ante and you're in a very physical situation that that same sort of process is is there that same situation i mean if you're reacting to something and not sort of calculating or being self-aware then uh, i guess it could be well the consequences are a lot higher yeah for like for example i had a I had a, a time away from the ring, um, maybe, God, it must have been in 2018, and I come back at the start of 2019, I think I'd had maybe 19 months out of competition, 20 months, and I, I come back to a really, really hard fight. I was undefeated at the time, and I, I took on a guy that was 17-1. and one. I was 9-0, and 0, I think. And, um, you know, for the first three or four rounds, I... I was pressing the action, but I was finding it really hard to land any shots cleanly. Mm. Um, so he was he was quite evasive on the back foot, but he was extremely fast and he could punch. Like uh, when I say he could punch, I mean like he can he can punch hard. He could bang. So in I remember in an exchange once, actually getting emotional and thinking, fire out! Like I just need to land a big shot here to slow this guy down a little bit and I got clipped by a counter punch um, so as I was throwing he counted, he counted uh, back I got cranky tried to go again let another shot go in anger even though I'd been clipped three times now and then <laughs> the fourth time I got nailed and dropped like really hard it was a big shot and and it put me down and it just 
the minute I like, I kind of did a backflip. Um, you can see it on my Instagram. It's a really, it's not a bad shot to watch. Actually, um, I do like a bit of a somersault backwards, jump back up, and I was like, okay, like that. That was an emotional mistake. Let's <laughs> let's get calm, composed again, and then. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, emotion makes you make poor choices. And um, but there's times where it can work for you too, you know. F- for example, in my most recent fight, um, I was emotionally charged in that, like, as I started dominating the guy, the energy picked up. So, there's ways to use it, and then there's ways that it'll destroy you. So, it's just it's that fine balance. It's a bit um, of that flow, yeah. that sort of flow that you get, that bit of momentum that sort of kicks in. So, you start to it's. I don't know. I'm just I'm taking a guess, but it's sort of like a little bit of effortlessness that kicks in because you sort of got that flow that sort of started to happen in a sequence or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I guess it'd just be like when you when you're playing, you play guitar, right? Mm. So you you have days where you'd roll in and just everything could come out the way it's supposed to and. There'd be no real thought or conscious effort in it. You'd look up and two hours had gone by. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's sometimes, you know, they're few and far between, but that does happen where, you know, I'll be, I was seven, eight, nine rounds into a fight and I'm like, oh man, this thing feels like it's just like gone three or four minutes ago. Um, and then there's other, other days where you've, where you're not so flowy in every every round, like you're just kind of counting them down, trying to get through them. So it is, yeah. Some days you you're in that state, and your performance is is um, is excellent. And other days it's a real struggle, and you're probably a little bit too much in your head. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think it, it definitely appears to be. And I mean, you've just sort of you're validating it now with just explaining it. But it's it's such a psychological game. Obviously, you've got the physical element to it, which is on the surface, you know, the real confrontational aspect of of the sport. But you know, to to be able to master it and, and be good at it, you've you've really got to have the right mindset. And that's that's not something that you can just easily get. Because I'm just thinking of I've never been in a proper fight before. I've been in some like little shoving matches in high school and things like that. But um, I know what it's yeah. like when I just accidentally knock my head against something by accident, just being an idiot, and I and my <laughs> yeah. world just turns red. Like I feel rage, and like and it's it's like yeah. it's not even a person. It's just I've whacked into something myself. I'm, I'm I'm angry at a wall or whatever it might be. But to be yeah. in the ring now, and and for you, like I mean, I, I'd be interested to know what it was like when you first started fighting versus now. But even now, when you're fighting, and someone gets a hand in and you, you get clipped, what's that reaction that you get at the time and sort of, you know, if you're able to break it down, what's the sort of, it's probably now subconscious, but what's the sort of process process that you go through to sort of try and control and then sort of calculate that next move? Yeah, it's more it's more like I've, I've made a tactical error. Like, why did I get hit with that shot? How can I avoid getting hit with it again? Um, you're kind of processing that. Where am I standing? Where? What's my position against my opponent? Um, you know, did I come back to my shape properly? Or, or is my hand in the wrong position? You know, you're kind of registering all these things on a on a subconscious level, I guess. Um, so that that process is occurring. When I first started, it was 
there's probably there's so much more panic to what you're doing. Like I've had 120 fights now. I've been boxing for 17 years, so it's it's you know it takes it to be honest. Now it, it really takes me a lot to get um, fired up, even like in a sparring match, which is like a training fight. Um, like I, I don't really, I find them hard to get up for. Mm. Um, just just in prep because it just it just becomes just something you do. I'm so used to facing the fire now. Um, but like in a fight situation, I, I remember early on. I still remember my first fight. Um, surprisingly enough, it was it was not long too long after um, the Cronulla riots back in mm. was that 2005 or yeah, six or something. something. Like um, and I went into punch bowl. As a, I think I was 15 at the time or 16 <laughs> against a, a Lebanese kid. And um, the, obviously with the tensions and stuff going on at the time, and I, I'd never been out of the south coast of New South Wales, so <laughs> I'm in this completely different environment. You know, I remember getting in there and getting hit and just thinking, oh, my God. It's not even. It wasn't. It's not the punching that, that gets to you. It's just the occasion of, like, the whole experience um, and then obviously as you go on, you start to learn how to control the nerves and deal with the atmosphere and, and it changes. But, um, yeah, definitely it's, it's become a subconscious thing. You're thinking so much about what you need to do to execute your game plan or, or to break the other guy down. Um, so you kind of, I don't know, I'm in a position where I don't really think, oh, man, I got hit, that makes me angry. No, like that doesn't happen at all. But um, if if I hit my head on the car door, which I've done probably three times in the last two weeks, like you were saying, <laughs> man, I see red still as well. So um, that's, I think that's a normal reaction. That pisses me <laughs> off more than getting hit on the chin, that's for sure. I feel better now. I just I, Every time that happens to me, and I just, uh, I just everything, just the, the world stops and I go, why am I reacting so badly? And I think if I'm yeah. ever out and about and I accidentally get clipped i'm i'm just gonna it's it's all over like i just it, every possible bad reaction i'm just gonna have but um it's interesting just to hear you say that so it gives me a little bit of assurance so thanks for that no good it's that real <laughs> internal oh! <laughs> it's, the kids look at you like what are you doing oh yeah it, it's kind of like it, it's it's kind of like kicking your toe where you, you slam your, your yeah. toe or your knee into something and you just can't, yeah. you can't, I mean, it's obviously far worse when you whack your head, but, and then somebody's trying to ask you a question to see if you're okay. And you can't even, you can't yeah. even process what's going on internally, let alone externally. And so you just like, oh yeah, it's, it's just pure tension and just red, like this, the seeing red thing. So it's, um, it's such an, inst- like this, oh, this sort of animalistic thing that sort of, that comes out, which is kind of interesting when you talk about sort of your process, mental process, when you get hit in the ring, because you're thinking about what are you, what have you done that's allowed that to happen rather than going, I'm being attacked or this bastard just whacked me. So I'm going to try and whack him back because he deserves it. Cause he just hit me. It's more about what have I done to get myself into that situation, which is that that's kind of like that detachment, isn't it? To take away the sort of personal sort of feelings. Yeah, and I guess that just that comes with the experience too because you still see it in um, – like I coach a bit as well now 
And but just watching any novice bouts, like um, or anyone with bad blood or between them beforehand, you know, they still have those reactions. It's it's something that comes with the time of being under that pressure many many times, and um, and I guess the trust in your skill that you know just because you get hit with one shot you know you're taking that emotional response out and, and you're still clear and conscious enough to go all right I can I'm still in this it's one it's one shot um you know in a whole fight how can I make the adjustment and and not do that again whereas if you get angry you know much much like the instance um, that I was speaking of before and you start just trying to land back and you get frustrated like you know you're probably going to get clipped even worse the next time so um, yeah it is just definitely an experience thing I think you know that's that's the privilege we have or I don't know if it's a privilege that's what causes the CTE and brain damage that we have <laughs> the amount of shots we face and stand in front of Makes us calm in those those high pressure situations. Uh, <laughs> just knocking um, the aggression out of you, just slowly one by yeah, one. <laughs> pretty much, and the motor skills. <laughs> <laughs> what what got you? I mean, I think I think I read um, read somewhere that you, you had your first fight when you were fifteen or around that around that age. I mean, what what on earth got you interested in in fighting? Was it a family thing, just sort of pushing you into into it to do something? You know, something active or did you have a fascination yourself I and mean, where did where did it all come from uh i was actually at the time i i had a i had a colorful childhood um and at the time i just moved in with my dad um so obviously my parents were separated um i'd just just been kicked out of my mum's place and i went and lived with my dad and um there was a kid there was a local kid there i was always had a lot of friends and we rode bmx and whatever and there was this there was this young guy that kind of moved into town and um you know it's a pretty typical story for a lot of boxers i guess and i was actually getting picked on and you know being a teenager it wasn't it wasn't so much the physical thing it was the threat of the physical thing that caused this real psychological problem as I as I look back and you know I can understand that from a whole different level now um being a father and just being an adult um the way I look at it I was like oh that stemmed from so much of the the insecurities and the the place I was at you know trying to work through all these problems from when I was younger um it just caught me at a vulnerable time mentally and emotionally you know and there's a lot of change happening as it is in in your teenage years mm. uh, you pile all that um added emotional stress and trauma and stuff on top of that and you know it it just it kind of set the perfect scene for for someone to have that kind of negative impact on me so after after six to eight months or so of this this continuing um, nonsense and it was at the point where I would kind of lock basically I was changing bus stops every day and um, just just so they couldn't catch up with where I was getting off and I just basically was hiding in in my own house at, at one point so mm. um, you know my my dad had talked to my auntie who was a psychologist and she, she suggested that I go up and just give boxing a go more for 
just the self-confidence that it gives you. Mm. You know, she'd, she'd heard good things about it. And my dad boxed when he was really young. Um, you know, he, he never did anything with it. He maybe had one or two fights when he was maybe eight or ten. Um, so I guess he maybe had some sort of connection to the idea and they yeah, put the idea in my head and I thought, yeah, that'd be good. So we just went up the gym and um, just started doing it for for an exercise, from an exercise standpoint to start with. But, um, you know, a little bit of confidence can go a long way uh, when, you, when you're feeling uh, vulnerable and you're that age, I guess, and uh, I got a couple of compliments off the guy that was running the gym at the time, and that that was enough, like that, to plant the seed at the time. So that that's obviously what I needed. That bit of just that little bit of self belief or encouragement in the right direction, and then I kind of just took to it. I started watching a lot of old boxing videos and um, reading old boxing encyclopedias, and then I just became obsessed with it. And you know, with with the training, the confidence picked up. Um, I started getting in shape for the first time. My body was changing, and then, then I found out like you could have a fight, and I just thought that was that was something I wanted to give a go. So um, it just it just kicked on from there, man. To be honest, yeah. What happened? What happened to that other kid? The so this whole sort of bullying thing where you're sort of hiding, and obviously you know the confidence is getting better. But was there ever a confrontation, or was there ever a moment where you were able just to sort of not physically push back, but just stand up and sort of project a bit of confidence that sort of intimidates him? Yeah, I, I, there was. I was lucky. I had I had a good cousin at the time who was a bit of a lunatic. So, <laughs> you know, this situation got really out of hand at certain points, and um, like to the point where our parents were involved, and um, you know, I had this um, I had this cousin who come down one holidays, and we kind of he, he kind of turned the tide for me a little bit. And, um, there was confrontations and stuff then and then, but I do remember one like key moment for for me as the 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 victim, you know, um, as a time at the time where I'd kind of evolved and I thought, you know, like I'm not scared anymore. I'm beat the shit out of this kid now. So and I ran past him one morning. I'd had one or two fights and then I was leaving the area. It was the last morning that I. I um, was leaving this town that I lived in, and as as I ran past him, I thought he said something, and I just I just had a crack back for once for the first time. I think I just told him to go fuck himself or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I thought uh, that was like a little, that was a moral victory in itself, and it kind of set me free from that from that mental torment, I guess. Um, knowing that you know what now I am more than capable, and I probably always was. It was just that um, that yeah, those mental kind of um, restraint that's that's placed on you from you know from the first incident that kind of set the whole thing into flow. Yeah, I guess I guess having you know being in that environment where you start to you know, validate your own ability to be able to do things. And then, as you said, like, you know, a guy at the gym or whatever gives you a couple of compliments. And as a, as a kid, as a, a young teen or whatever age you are, I mean, that, as you said, I mean, that's all you need. I mean, at that's at that stage of your life for, especially for a lot of, a lot of guys, like, or boys at the time, 
you're just craving any sort of validation from an adult, especially like an older older guy as well. So no doubt um, just just having those sort of little psychological wins were just just so significant to to change who you were. Yeah, and I think um, you know that's, that's that's the role of probably where the role of like dads and fathers are, um, is is overlooked sometimes, especially these days. You know, it's it's that kind of passing of the torch or that that leading into you know finding yourself as a as a man or a young man that that doesn't really take place anymore. That kind of initiation type thing and I guess for me coming from that that broken place and you know everyone everyone has their own demons to deal with so you know I didn't have that type of relationship with with my dad where we'd talk about you know we wouldn't sit down and have conversations about uh, being proud of you and you know all the lovey-dovey stuff that I do with my kids. Like you're not going to hear those words come out of their mouth. It's they're more old school, and it's understanding that. But I guess at that that time, what you really could do with some confidence building, or you know, to to be getting that from somewhere like the boxing gym that became became my kind of um, you know my place of. Um, it was almost like it's a place of serenity at one point. Um, you know, it just it just did wonders for me, and um, it did wonders for my love of the sport as well. I guess because you see, you see the amazing things, that, the change that can start happening, and then with that change, the opportunity, and then as you see the opportunity, you start looking towards the future in it, and and then the fire is really blazing from there. So. So you must, I mean, over the years, I mean, as you said, you've done like 120 odd fights and boxing for years and you've done a bit, you're doing a bit of coaching as well along the way or training. And I mean, you must have seen so many people over the years that have like going back to what we were saying before, a little bit more of an emotional, reckless sort of personality, you know, not as calculated or self-aware, very reactive um, in, in situations. Have you... Have you found yourself like whether it be sparring or, or actually in you know in the ring with somebody else who is like that, and have to try and manage somebody like that? Because I would assume that you would have to take a completely different approach um, in comparison mm. to somebody else who's probably more on your mental plane, where you're both calculated, you're both respectful of each other, and you're both sort of just taking each step at a time, versus somebody who's very sort of I guess uh, a little bit more animalistic, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you get all different different guys, even at the experience level. You know, some people spar hard, some people just spar to work on tactics and techniques. So, um, in terms of fights, like I mean, it's so hard for me to remember back to my early, like to to the early fights. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of the time, I was probably overwhelmed in those situations where someone come out aggressive and uncontrolled. And I liked to box, so if I had a good boxer with me, I'd often lift my game. But as you go on, you learn that actually, you know, if if you're competing against someone that that's leading with emotion and aggression, they're usually easier to catch and easier to set traps with and they kind of run into your hands a little bit because you are thinking and you are conscious and they're they're just running on reaction and emotion so 
that kind of red mist can come over their eyes and you know they're not really in in the driver's seat anymore they're just reacting to whatever traps you're setting for them um so there's those kind of instances they're pretty easy to box against generally um and then in the in the practice situations like i don't know most most guys most boxes are pretty cool once you get to that higher level you're competitive right um just as you are in any other elite sport but you're not it's not so much about it's just trying to bring the best out of each other i think um you know you can get in those situations at times where things might get a bit heated inspiring because we all have we all have lives we're all dealing with our own stuff outside of the sport as well and there's the old the old um rule where you should leave you know everything from outside of the gym stays out on the other side of the Mm. door but but I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day. So sometimes, I guess people bring that frustration into the gym. But like off the top of my head, I can't honestly say I've had too many too many instances with it because I kind of just work with good people. So um, you know, I I pick good good guys to spar with. Um, they've got to be good, a high level uh, boxer usually, and and they're usually cool dudes. So. And not had too much trouble with that. I imagine, you know, I see a lot of stuff in um, in the states. Like, for, if you're in Las Vegas, for example, and some of the some of the famous gyms over there, they seem to just be having absolute life and death battles each time they get in the sparring ring, which is crazy. Um, you know, I'd, I've been over to the states, so I went over kind of expecting that and. Even there, wherever we ended up, we went to the old famous Gleason's gym and mm. um, went and sparred with actually a world champion at the time, Saddam Ali, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And even even in that, like that, they were just all really cool dudes. Once you got to know them, and they all just boxed with you, and we all worked together. And um, so, so no, I haven't. I can't say that. You know, I've come across it too much, and if I have in competition, it works perfectly because you can just like they're so easy to outbox those guys. You just run them onto shots all day. <laughs> do you find that a lot of those, like, at, from time to time, if you if you do, you know, face up against somebody who is a little bit like that, that those people on their own journeys eventually just shed a lot of those raw emotions. Like, it's it's typically guys that probably haven't been boxing for as long, they don't have the tenure. Um, or that life experience to sort of get past that those initial stages. Is it more of an early sort of stage thing yeah. that you see? Yeah, definitely. It's it's the guy with maybe one to ten, fifteen, even maybe twenty fights, and then after that stage, you're not going to see it that much um, because they'll either have a short lived career uh, because they didn't have the character to continue on because they've stayed too hot headed and undisciplined. <laughs> Or um, or that they'll evolve and their style will change and they'll grow mentally and um, technically and so yeah it is definitely an early like a novice type um, characteristic to have and it is it is something I think most guys down the pub would think that it takes to be a fighter. Um, you know, you got to be surly and tough, and you have to be—you do have to be tough in this game. In all combat, combat is 
it's got to be the hardest sport in the world and when you live the life and you've done it for that many years like but there's different types of toughness there's there's the most people's idea of toughness is the guy staunch and everyone out on a Saturday night, <laughs> picking picking fights with the smallest guy in the club, so I think. But toughness is something I believe that's deep within when everything's kind of stacked against you. Um, all the odds are against you. You know, nothing's going your way, but you still have the ability to hang in there and keep keep moving forward and and keep that belief that you can still come out on top and. You know, not just trying to survive, but continuing to try to win. So I think that there's definitely a, um, a varied idea. You know, there's a perception of toughness and then there's a reality of it. Mm. Like, you know, if you feel the way we feel, it, you know, even fighters just to get to a fight, a lot of weight cuts can be really brutal. Yeah. The stuff, the discipline and the stuff you have to put your body through just to get to the to the weigh-in and make the weight and then and then you got 24 hours in a professional bout usually to to rehydrate and refuel and but even through that process to turn around in such a short time from being like a withered pea (laughs) into this fighting into this animal that's got to go 10 or 12 rounds against someone else who's prepared to do the same thing and lay it all on the line, you know, it takes it takes a special character or developed character, you know, because we are, we all just everyday people, but it's just that the discipline and desire it takes and the, the mental toughness and stuff to go through that, um, it is... it is something pretty incredible. And, you know, earlier on I probably would have never spoke like that because uh, I like being... Um, I believe in humility and stuff, but it's just the the longer I'm in it, like the more I can appreciate the the beauty of what boxing and what these combat sports are and what they bring out of people. And the you know what, like we probably deserve more credit than than fighters get at times because it is easy to judge from the outside, but no one sees the backstory and. No one sees the process of what's involved to actually get there, and you know it's it's, and then the nights after, and the stress you put your family and stuff under, and and the instances that they go through. So, um, it's certainly something I'm happier to credit to credit fighters for these days. Yeah, I mean, I I can definitely put my hand up. You know, when for for many years, and it's only just been recently where I've started to look at look at the sport in a different light, where I would just always think oh, I was just a a bunch of bunch of dudes who are just you know obviously need a bit of self control and this is the only way they can do it and it's to get into the ring and and knock each other out it's a little bit barbaric and you know and just not have a lot of respect for it and un- like understanding that part of it and part of that sort of where it's coming from for me is just my lack of ability to be able to do it. I'd probably get my ass kicked instantly but it was sort of not really appreciating or just understanding how much is involved in it. And it's not just, I mean, you know, you're talking about all the prep work that you have to do physically. It's not just training. It's, it's you know, transforming your body to get it ready for the fight. But I'm curious because obviously you mentioned, you know, family and the stress that they go through and all that sort of stuff as well. There's a lot of different dimensions. But after the fight, whether you win or you lose, what 
what does your body go through, or even yourself, like physically, mentally? What what happens? Because I would assume that there's just this long lead up of tension, a bit of stress. I'm, I'm maybe understating the stress part, but um, you know, just a lot of tunnel vision focus, a lot of energy being put into ultimately this fight in a very, which is a very short space of time, and then what happens after that? Is there just a massive release? Is it what 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 does your body end up doing? Yeah, so on a on a physical level, it it depends. If the fight's hard, sometimes you can be battered for a week, two weeks, um, just bruised and aching all over. But from from a, a mental standpoint, it is. It's just you just you feel like you need to go nuts, like with it. Whether it's with the diet, you know, just you tend to just eat everything in sight. Um, you know, a lot of guys <clears throat> drink a lot. The sport's getting more, they're controlling more these days, I think. But, you know, guys will go out and some guys need to party a lot. Just It's like the yin and yang. Um, you know, for me personally, it's, it's just, I just feel it is it's just a massive relief that you can let go, like you can switch your mind off. Um I, I like to just eat. I don't. I don't because in my head the whole time in camp you're just thinking, I can't have this. I got to have this. Yeah. I got to get this. What's my weight? Like I'm thinking about my weight all all day, every day. Um, you're thinking about you know what you need to do to get ready most of the day, even when you're not thinking about it. It's kind of sitting in your mind still. Um, so it is just a massive period of like you just want to, for me personally, I just want to let go of it um, and I'm happy to just not to not think about it, um, to, to just be the opposite of discipline for a certain period of time. I blow, my, my weight always blows straight back up. I never, you know, I never get like um, people would see me, I just look like a normal guy, but I might be like 10 to 15 kilos over the weight that I've fought at um but yeah I guess it's just it's just that that switch off but now like see it used to be a little different now I know I'll be able to let go because I'm looking forward to the time I'm getting towards you know the last part of my career so I can have a fight I can sit back I'm not in any rush. I can I can relax, and I'll wait for a good offer to come to me now, and then and I, then I'll assess if I want to if I want to kick on with the next one. What opportunities there? Is it worthwhile sacrificing another ten twelve weeks with the kids? And um, is the, is the money worthwhile, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. When I was when I was a little younger, and all I thought about was um, I need to do this. Like if I'm not boxing, I'm not. I'm not progressing, I'm not worth anything. Like it's like I had to keep rolling forward trying to become like a world champion in my mind. So I'd finish a fight, I'd within minutes it'd be like, What's next? What's next? And I'd maybe be at, be able to have a a night out or two nights out, have a couple of days eating eating shit and not training and then I'd have to be straight back on it in fear of losing what I've just gained and and kind of feeling lost without that direction of what is next you know having the date book that was always so significant to me you know I've got to have the date locked in I've got to know what's going on next so I've got something to 
direct my life towards and um which you know it makes sense in some way but it's it's pretty detrimental to your mental health in a lot of ways too like i realize now looking looking back um but yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that i've grown out of and matured out of and and it's definitely a change of perspective that i've gained with you know i've got two young two young daughters and and a wife and you know i'm put, i'm coming on to 32 now which doesn't sound that old but i've i've got a good good couple of years left if i want to keep doing it but just in terms of like where I'm at, um, it's just I'm just taking one one fight at a time at the moment, and and as long as I'm still enjoying it and it's still worthwhile doing, then I can do it. So in those periods of not knowing, like I'm okay because I can go back to just being Mark the person, not not Mark the the fighter which, you know, thanks to the COVID break last year and I thought I was going to retire, I had a year to, to be able to um, separate those two and really do some self-work and work out who I was away from the sport and work out that I don't really need it for for that self-gratification self, um, or um, for that identity anymore, which, which is something I struggled with because... As I said, I didn't started at fourteen. Of um, yeah, I think I was fourteen when I first walked into a gym. So, and like I said at the time, I was I was a pretty fragile kid, um, and it gave me the only sense of self worth that I'd ever known. So, it, it was a really hard thing to detach from, you know, that just turned into a profession and to a successful career and then you know trying to trying to work out who you are without it is was pretty rough for a little while but now i've come to that place and this is a long-winded way of getting to that answer for this question isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i've covered like 20 minutes of topics i I love it i love it yeah now now that you Uh, now that you're on a podcast yourself you're like thinking going all right yeah now i know what it's like on the other side of the mic yeah yeah. yeah. no it's good i mean (laughs) I, I was writing down all these things along the way. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to come back to that. But, um, <laughs> oh, man, it's, I mean, people listening to this are going to go, oh, I know exactly what Andy's going to say now because I've been crapping on about this for the last several months. But, like, the last year, I think so many people, and you just, you said it yourself, so many people have gone through this process of not being able to do what they've been known for and right, part of their identity. And, you know, for, you know, what they've been doing previously for the past decade or two decades or whatever it might be, and really sort of been forced to have to go, what does my life look like without this thing that I thought was my, like my everything, like my, 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 my worth, my self-worth and, and my validation to, you know, family and friends and just the general public and all that sort of stuff. So for me, like, you know, a lot of my friends and peers, like in music, you know, couldn't, couldn't play, couldn't do anything, and so, net, yeah. so a lot of a lot of musicians went through a, a re, some real turmoil to sort of think, what happens if I can't do this anymore? I, I can't be that guy that plays in that band anymore. So, what else am I good at? Like, what 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 value do, can I bring to the world? And and a lot of people continuously struggle with that, and I, a lot of people come out the other side a lot stronger um, as a result. But other people have uh, continued to to really fight um, this inner t- turmoil. So just to hear you say that, it's just, it, it just, it goes across the board. It's just everybody, everybody's life had to, had to stop or put, be paused and 
everyone was just forced to look in the mirror and just go, who the hell am I? Like, what, 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 what purpose do I have? And I guess for you, probably the, the thing that probably made it a little bit easier is, is, you know, you've got a family, you've got a wife, you've got, you've got a couple of kids. And so there's that role, that very important role that you play that, you know, if there's nothing else, then that's, that is, that is still a number one. Yeah. Yeah, and they did. That's you know, without that, um, in the space of that period, how I was feeling and stuff, you know, who who knows where I would have been at? I know where I would have been at, and it wouldn't have been here. So, um, you know, it is. Uh, I I am super thankful that I that I that I have them in my life, and you know, even to think. Along those lines, like without them, would I be here? At the time, made me wake up to a lot of things. Mm. Like there was, it was a massive realization that, that that you know what, like as much as boxing has meant everything to me, and it and it given me so much, you know. Um, and at times it's taken a lot from me, but it's definitely given given more than it's taken. Um, but it doesn't really, you know, as much as it matters, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, it's just it's just a part of, you know, more important is the person and the characteristics or the character that I developed because of it. But ultimately, like that's who I am, not what I do. So. To me, that that's become more of a focus point rather than, um, you know, I'm a boxer and I can't box. It was more, more like, well, you know, I don't. Do you swear on this podcast? Is, is that, Sorry, oh, I was. Do you swear? Is it? Okay oh yeah, to swear? It's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fucking so go for I, it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was more in a place of like, well, fuck boxing now, because it doesn't mean anything apart from what it's given me to add to my life personally um it's just it's just a thing like it, you know it's it's funny it's, it feels like a contradictory type of conversation to have but uh, something that that meant everything to me then all of a sudden i was able to detach from and go you know it doesn't mean anything compared to your kids and what's real and like the love that you have for your kids and your wife and your wife most of the time. <laughs> That's a joke. If she's listening. Um, <laughs> Good recovery. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it doesn't even come close to the importance of what you achieve and who you think you are. Um, it doesn't even come close to, to those, the realness of those things, like, you know, like your family and, because ultimately, that's that's the shit that matters. Mm. Who you who you are every day, not just not just who you are when you're performing. Yeah, and I think it's um like just from my own experience, I've I've been through this in the past. Even I mean, luckily by the time you know all this this COVID shit sort of came into the world, I I'd sort of already gone through a lot of this sort of inner turmoil myself. But um, one thing that I sort of sort of uh, um, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, 
is um is the control aspect of it all um that, just quickly recovering there um yeah, where, where, <laughs> where where for me like as a like whether it be the band itself or just the identity of the musician that was controlling me it was sort of dictating the decisions that I make in my life and so yeah. it was sort of like without without this thing telling me what to do then I have no sense of direction and I don't know how to make a decision myself because I don't really know who I am I only know myself as the guy who plays in that band or I'm the guy who plays yeah. that instrument or whatever it might be. And so part of me, cause I don't have any kids, but I've got a wife. Um, and part of that was meeting my wife and sort of getting very quickly domesticated and having to grow up and be an adult and all that sort of stuff, be a little bit more responsible in life. But I think also yeah. just starting to dabble in a lot of different things and just working out, Oh, I'm actually interest, interested in more than just music and, and, finding that life is actually really interesting and fascinating and the more that I sort of started to branch out and not in any intensive way it's like I'm going to pick up a new career or I'm going to do something you know dramatically different turn my life upside down but just the the fascination of just other things in life just slowly took the pressure off the labeling that I'd put on myself and and what ultimately was was my identity controlling me and the decisions that I made so I'd assume from a like a boxing point of view when you say fuck boxing, it's sort of a case of, well, boxing doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't control you. It's been an aspect of your life that's helped you grow and develop, but it's ultimately, it's not dictating your everyday life. It's not dictating your mental, your, where your mind's at and the decisions that you make. No, no. And that's, that's, you just fucking hit the nail on the head there. That was, that was a really good explanation of it all. So, um, but that's a, that's basically the exact point that that I was trying to get to, um, and that's where I'm at today. You know, um, coming making the decision to even come back into a training camp for twelve weeks was, you know, at at first I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I, I want to do it. <laughs> I've got some unfinished business. And then it was like, oh, but is this just your ego or the familiarity of it all coming back? Mm. And then I thought about really while I was doing it. And I was like, no, I want to, I want, you know, I want to, I do enjoy it. And I enjoy the process and, and who I become through the process. I think I'm. You know, to up to a certain point of it, I'm a better version of myself um, until probably the last four weeks, five weeks. Um, and then, you know, as as you go through the transformation, then, then I have to let that character kick in and I have to let it become all-consuming. And at the moment, boxing, you know, at this stage, especially in preparation, boxing is the only thing that matters right now. But that's a necessity to be a winner in in the the competition that's about to take place. So I have to let that transformation occur. The difference now being that I know what's on the other side, mm. and I, like I'm looking forward to letting go. You know, it's it's everything. I'm holding everything together and tight, and I'm getting ready for the battle. But I know after the battle, I can go back to being me. Um, so I think I find a bit of solace in that, and that's that's probably the thing that's kept me going through this camp, to be honest. Because 
you know what? I'm not scared of like facing my truths. A lot of athletes, you, you'd never hear them speak of things like. But you know what? At times for camp, I did want to just pull out and go, no, you know, what? fuck this. Like I don't want to do this anymore. I'm past it. But but then in in not doing that and having those mental battles and overcoming them and going, no, you know what? You are because. You know, what do you represent? Who do you want to represent? Who do you want to be to your kids? Like, what example do you want to set? When someone asks them who their dad is, like, well, what what response do you want? And stuff like that really matters to me. Mm. Um, I want to set that set that example and, and show them that, you, you know, what you can overcome and become whatever you want no matter what start you've had in life and no matter what anyone said along the way and you can still go on if you're willing to put in the work or um, you're willing to stick things out and you're willing to be truthful with yourself and, and face those things that we shy away from often and come up with crutches and excuses for that, that you can overcome it and, and you can do just about anything. So, you know, that, that, that was an important, important bit of me. Um, Fuck, I forgot what the question was now. But <laughs> that was the anyway, question. <laughs> so that's, that's where I've gone into um, into this camp. But it's like knowing now that coming out of it, um, I can just go back to being me. Is like that's a big bit of being still being able to do it. Otherwise, I don't think I would have made it through, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have went and asked off this. It's not for me anymore. Yeah. But I know on the other side, I've got the space. I'm just going back to being, you know, the dad and back to my family. And, and I'm okay with that that place now. I was never okay with that before. Yeah. It was never enough. I thought I was failing by doing that. But now I just feel like my perspective is so much larger and my understanding of life on a whole is so much um, so much, I guess, oh, I'm going to use a wanky word, it's so much wiser. <laughs> but, um, that just comes with the, that experience again in the time. And, and I think the the big thing too for athletes especially is like the, trying to break your ego down and understanding that, that the ego, and I've never really been that into myself, but but understand how the ego works within your mind and going, you know what, like that decisions, I don't know if that's actually me or if it's just my ego trying to protect itself. So I think I used to, a lot of the decisions I made, when, you know, because of boxing were my ego protecting itself, whether I wanted to actually go through with certain things or not. So it is nice to be in a place where those restraints don't, um, they don't control like my thought process anymore. Um, the, the, the kind of the handcuffs have been taken off my mind. And, you know, we talked, you talked about doing different things and venturing off. And I think that's where like, um, well, you met the boys of where's the cool cats from the podcast, mm. Willie and Matt. Shout out to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just um, just sitting down with them every Tuesday. We started that as they were filming a like a, I was like I got no footage in my career after all this, you know. So Willie does a bit of videography and stuff. 
So he started capturing stuff and we are having interviews and one day we are sitting down just chatting and we are like, oh, that, made a cool, that would have made a cool podcast. And at, through this process, I ended up deciding, no, I'm going to finish. And that was last year whenever COVID was happening. And um, we just continued that, that on and it was just this thing that we all started really looking forward to every Tuesday or Thursday whenever we did it. We're just getting together to have a chat and and it turned into something and, you know, having those extra things, like, it made me realise that there is so much more to me and to life. Um, boxing has been a great catalyst for me to see the world and for me to grow as a person and to find my strengths and to teach me so many lessons and, you know, um, but but it's not the only thing that that I'm about anymore, which is which is good, you know. Right now, you ask me, yeah, I, that's all I'm about for the next week. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, but but you know, when when the when the lights turn off and I step out of the ring, then then that's it. It's done and dusted. And, like who cares? We're all such a blip in the blip in the fucking radar of time. Anyway, like that's these kids get caught up in thinking that they're way we're not as important really as we think we are at the time i don't think and mm. those type of realizations help help you realize that um you know help you see things for what they are and that you know nothing's as big or dramatic or, or as important as you probably think it is to the world yeah i think yeah. i think with the like one thing that i sort of have i'm still working it out myself i think we all are and we always will be just trying to work out where we fit into the world. But I think when you start to understand that ultimately a lot of what happens to you is a result of the decisions that you make and you realize that you've got far more control than you think you do, I think that that becomes a game changer. And to be, to be able to sort of, you know, just using the example you said before, like you can, you can flick a switch, get into this mode, absorb yourself into being the fighter, going through this process, but then come out the other side and then make that decision yourself to then go back to just being Mark and just, just you know, being being a husband or being a father or being a friend or whatever it might be. You've got that control. Like now you're dictating it rather than the the identity of the boxer just always being there and, and just, you know, you sort of being in autopilot, just reacting to situations and not really understanding sort of that, you can ultimately, you know, choose the course that you take. And for me, like, and even just sort of just saying like with the boxing, like, you know, it's created this foundation for you. I mean, all these disciplines and these things that you've, you've built and you've, you've been talking about, I mean, it just sets you up, you know, one thing I was going to ask you, and it's quite interesting because I think in sports, we always, you know, when, when people in sports start to retire it's sort of like in the in the early thirties, and anyone that sort of gets to their mid thirties, they're like a veteran of the sport. And I just laugh because I'm thinking, oh man, I'm fucking thirty six now. I'm I'm like ancient, <laughs> but I still think I'm a baby compared to everybody else. But I think just for for people that are athletes, you know, have been in sport, especially professionally at a very high level, to be able to go through such an intense period, usually sort of at least that decade between twenty and thirty, to go through all of these different mental challenges, adversity, you know, being tested, having to find discipline and try and find the maturity and grow up quickly and, you know, big consequences for your actions and to sort of come out into your 30s and see the world very differently to a lot of other people where 
that same sort of realisation might not happen for other people for another 10 odd years. You sort of set up this foundation for you. I mean, really, your life just sort of gets started after after your boxing career because you just, you've. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with the skills that you've you've developed over that period of time. Yeah, definitely, and um, that's that's something obviously that you come to realise too once you start looking at it from from that perspective. Um, so, like, there's there's plenty of other stuff I can do, you know. I I often think about you know I ran this look um, program once to help start guiding. Obviously, boxing was a massive guiding um, tool in in my life, and I set up a like a program a couple of years back where we took a bunch of teenage boys around between fourteen and sixteen. We took them away and we run them through like a training camp for three days. Um, so we, we fed them the right foods. We we put them through physical challenges. Um, we used utilize boxing as the as the catalyst, but it could be anything really. And then and then we we set these like um, championship mindset seminars up throughout the day. So it was all based on using boxing as the draw card to get them in there, and then just to have just just kind of educate them on what it takes to be successful in in any field, um, you know, but then physically challenging them and showing them that they are more capable than they realise and, you know, giving them the, those tools to lift and overcome at different times and stuff like that. So, you know, programs like that I think would be something that would be really rewarding in the future, Um but yeah, there's. I mean, once you, it's like it's like fast forwarding stuff in your life. Like, you know, when I went to the um, Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, like you know what the the the, uh, the Scots are, they're mad sports fan. Like most mm-hmm. people from um, the UK and uh, um, Britain. It's it's nuts. So like we walked out for the opening ceremony. There was I think sixty thousand people there, and I, I tell this story all the time. But it was just it was so impacting on my life, it, having that many people screaming for you, and like they really there's hundreds of athletes, if not a few thousand, but you could like throw your arms up at the crowd, and I remember them just like roaring, <laughs> just loud, like it's just all for you. That's how I felt walking out because it, it took me so many years and so much heartache and stuff to get there, and I'd finally made it. And I just that feeling like it never left me ever. It just it left this like this. It was like the biggest high I've ever felt, and at the same time, it left this bottomless pit of like I got to get that again. Mm. So it's like it's funny. It's like the most um, ecstasy I've ever experienced in that time, and then it also brought out all these lows afterwards, and and then this um, this period of trying to re- recreate it and and refill it again. That that gave me a bit of the drive in the pro game when I came home. So um, like you know, just to go through stuff like that, and um, it, it does. It just it fast forwards your experience, you know, and just sacrificing so much to get what you want, you know, putting yourself in so many uncomfortable situations 
taking risks when you think you know you, you probably you probably sit back and go oh, I could probably do this another way but then go enough oh, like like let's go let's yeah. just go all in and you know um, stuff like that I think that the people we're almost trained not to do that stuff a lot of the time or we have been at least in the past like the, our culture is built around safety and you know how many different insurances do we have for everything <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no insurance for life motherfucker you gotta take a risk <laughs> like and it's the and it's so boring not taking risks you know yeah you want to be calculated and smart but like you gotta go out and chase what you want and find something that you love to do and try and try and pursue it like until you want to do something else and then do that like there's such this mindset of just going out and getting security and or the idea of security and then maintaining that till you're old enough to to kind of live the last 20 or 30 years and on, yeah. on a decent pension. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. And just that 10 years compacted from 20 to 30, like I've done more living than, you know, it's something I've always been amazed by really. Like I don't think it's almost hard to, um, you know, you don't want to, uh, without comparing to people, it's just, yeah, I went from seeing no countries. I'd never been out of Australia. I'd been to Queensland on a train once. Um, I went from 19, I think I was, or 20 when I went on my first plane. And within the, the, the five years, but really it was in within a two- or three-year period, I'd seen like 36 countries or wow. something like that yeah, through, through boxing, through getting on the nationals teams and starting to travel and you know i've been to places like cuba and albania and um serbia and poland and just just um china just out just outrageous places that you'd never you know i probably never would have looked at otherwise uh, mexico panama uh, america you know all just all over really and just unique places as well. So all these all, all these things that um, we've got to experience on like a superficial level as well as the personal growth and the challenges you're constantly overcoming and the setbacks. Like for just before the Commonwealth Games qualifiers, I broke. I shattered one of the bones in my hand, in my oh. thumb. I had to get pins and plates put in there and I only had maybe four months um between the time that I got the operation and when the game qualifiers would first start. So, you know, like I had my hand in a cast the day after I broke it and I was out in the street doing my 1,200-meter my, um, runs for time <laughs> with a full arm cast on. And, you know, I just – just simple stuff like that. They're just refusing to – to give up or take no for an answer and, and then coming out the other side like this. There's so much to be gained through taking risks and living and and overcoming the setbacks and, you know, and going through the shit as well. It's not all about just the good times. It's the experience gained through through the what are perceived as the bad times. So, I think what yeah, a lot of, a lot of people I, see, like with, you know, just in life, I think a lot of people sort of go through a lot of formative sort of events 
as they become an adult, you know, and I think for your everyday person, you tend to sort of, you know, whether you go and study or you go and get a career or whatever and you have, you know, you settle down with the family and a lot of that stuff tends to happen sort of in the early 20s, early to mid 20s, and then that's about it. And I think, you know, people still live fulfilling lives, but I think a lot of people sort of always get nostalgic and think back to a time that was before what they what they've what they're currently doing and they try to at times recreate that whether that be you know it could be uh, a bit of partying so every you know a bit of uh, you know drinking and things like that and trying to recreate uh, better times or times that they fondly look back on but never sort of looking yeah. ahead and going what's what's the next chapter look like what what's the new experience that I can get and sort of you know just hearing you sort of go through these these scenarios and, and even the Commonwealth Games and sort of you having to process that and coming out the other side and going, I, I kind of want to recreate that. I mean, you know, from same sort of thing in music as well. You have like these moments where you play these these big shows, you you play with your idols or you get in, get in front of a big crowd and all that validation and the, the adrenaline and just the total intoxication of, of that moment. You just want that to happen all the time. And so you, you're constantly looking backwards to try and find it again without actually looking forwards. And yeah. for me, like, I just, it's so, it's, it's funny when you talk about it because you realize that before any of those, what you think are your high points in your life that have happened in the past, before those things even happened, you didn't know what the future was going to bring. You worked towards that and then you were rewarded with these, these, these high points, these amazing moments. And so what's to stop those things happening again, but different types of high points that were unexpected because you didn't expect to have that feeling in that moment. I mean, you, you were hoping to sort of get to the games, but you didn't know what to, what you're going to experience until you were there in that moment. And so there's nothing to stop you in the future. And I'm just saying you as, as in a general person to, to sort of be completely surprised and overwhelmed and be pumped full of adrenaline again in a completely different uh, part of your life that it doesn't have to be the same thing over again. It can be something completely different. So it's, it's, I, I love the fact that for you, like, I mean, yeah, you've, you've traveled more, more of the world than most people. You've been in these situations that most people would never be in, even from a fighting point of view. I mean, I don't know what the average sort of track record for a, for a professional boxer is, but man, like 120 odd fights, like that, that's a fucking lot. So, you know, you've, you've, you've had all these extremes and sort of where you are mentally now and just the things that you've been saying, it's just, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm kind of, I get excited by it because I just realized that there's just so much more like this. Who knows what tomorrow's going to bring? Who knows what next year's going to bring or in 10 years time? Like there's just so many unexpected moments that are just going to come along and, and just completely turn your life upside down in a great way that you just, you're not expecting so it's um yeah it's just it's it's nice to hear because I've, I've certainly gone through it myself and i've i've looked backwards instead of forwards quite often just thinking how do i get that again and i wish that would happen to me again instead of just going what's the next exciting adventure yeah yeah you see, you, that's exactly where i'm at now it's like just you have to create the openings for these things to happen or to you know, instead of trying to recreate, you're creating doors for new things to happen. And it's it's funny you just summed it all up like that because, you know, the stage of life that I'm in at the minute, you know, I had the same team around me for 14 years, someone that was, was like my father. Uh, he'd, 
you know, his family is my family. I call his daughters and his son, like my brothers and sisters. Um, you know, he he was my coach and I made the decision to, you know, it was a hard decision to make, but I felt like I just needed to freshen up and needed some change and some new direction. And, you know, so I opened the door to to a new team around me and that, that kind of gave me a different look for this camp. And then, you know, I've always pushed my partner into, she's, she's an accountant. Um, so um, don't hold that against her either. But um, she, she, so she went away from it for a while, and, uh, but she'll often be more reserved in, and more nervous about, you know, taking risks and jumping into things and she'll question them too much and, Whereas I'm more of a, fuck it, let's just cut it and roll and see what happens. Like, (laughs) you know, so we're at a stage in life where we've kind of done that with a couple of things and the doors have opened, opportunities have come and, and, you know, we've just finally bought our first house. Um, For the first time we had some decent money in the bank and, you know, we just threw it all away on a house. So, um, (laughs) you know, just little things like, (laughs) Yeah, well, people keep saying that. I don't know how I feel yet. Um, <laughs> um, so just just little things like that now, like where you know, where, you know, I just also just shut my gym. You know, I haven't been happy there in a little while. Um, so I had a boxing gym that I was that I was coaching. I was like, for the last two years, I've wanted to just just go off and get back to just teaching a couple of guys and doing some, my one-on-one stuff and getting outdoors again and doing a bit of personal stuff. And it, it just held back on it because of, you know, it had been a good business in the past and the attachment to the memories of it and stuff. And then all of a sudden I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm just holding myself from moving forward because, you know, I'm not growing here and I need to need to cut some strings. So, you know, that was just another thing that we cut. And now I'm finding, you know, much happier and freer. And it's only earlier days, but but things are opening up and presenting presenting new opportunities. And so yeah, it's, it is like that in life. Like I'm I'm much more believing. Um, you know, it's it's worth taking risk. Yes, make them calculated, but definitely not holding on to the nostalgia of things because that's where you'll stay forever then you know in the past living in your memories instead of being in the present and working towards the future so yeah you can bang on with that well it's just it's just reinforced it to me just listening to you sort of uh, talk talk through a lot of that because i think you know as even the best of us who have kind of you know, got some of it worked out in life. I think we we often sort of just fall into the trap of, you know, being autopilot on a day-to-day basis and sort of taking things for granted or finding yeah. that you're daydreaming and thinking about stuff that's happened in the past and you sort of forget about, oh, what have I got to do today and, you know, the the mundaneness of, of just, you know, everyday life. And and so just even just having this chat with you, it's sort of, for me, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit fired up and it might be just the coffee that I've had as well, but, you know, <laughs> I'm a bit caffeinated, but, you know, it's, it, it is exciting. I mean, who, who the hell knows? And, and, you know, everything that you've done up until this point, regardless of whether they're extreme things or not, have, have made, you know, made us the people that we are right now. And so it's like, okay, well, we've got these tools that we've, we've developed. So what's, what do we do with them? And, or what's the next thing that we can develop? And, and it's just a, it's an ever, you know, it's an, 
sort of it's, it's a continuous journey of, of development and that I mean I love that stuff it, I think it's really exciting so yeah it's um yeah it, it's good to it's good just to bounce that off somebody else and hear somebody sort of go through it and as I said before I mean you know for you in, in the context of your life I'm sure in theory you understand the extremes of what you've what you've been through but it's been normal for you in the sense that it's it's your life I mean you don't know any any different but yeah. um but I think you know you you have been through a lot of a lot of extreme moments, you know, good and bad, and I think that's sort of you know it's it's certainly developed the character and the the head that's on your shoulders now. Yeah, yeah. Some some would argue about the quality of the head, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, if you're listening to this episode on time, this Friday, the 23rd of April, Mark is fighting in Canberra. Uh, he's fighting in Canberra. He's just going to Canberra to fight people. Uh, he's fighting the head splitter, Isaac, the head splitter, Hardman, and uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a match. I, I assume. I mean, it's 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 boxing. It's going to be intense. It's going to be pretty pretty crazy. So uh, you can watch it on Fox Sports um, on KO from 6 p.m. this Friday, the 23rd of April, um, and. Uh, if you're in Canberra and there's tickets available, then go along, go and check it out. Uh, it'll definitely be an experience. But if you're listening to this past the 23rd of April, um, just go and check the show notes or check the description of whatever you're listening to this through right now. And I'll, I'll update the results. I'll put the results in there and you can have a look and see uh, whether whether Mark was successful or not. I think no doubt after listening to this chat that he is successful no matter the outcome. But uh, I'll chuck it in there so you can, you can have a sticky beak and see uh, see what came of that fight. But uh, really, really, really cool chat and hopefully get a few more boxes on the podcast. I, I really had a great time talking to uh, Mark. It was great to have another first for the Andy Social Podcast as well. Um, one other thing I will mention, I forgot to mention in the intro, we certainly did talk about it in the episode itself, but uh, Mark is a co-host, uh, one of three guys, three legends, who uh, host the podcast called Smack Panda Podcast. I was recently on it. I think it was episode 22, I think. I could get that wrong. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you can go and watch me on the podcast, or you can go back and have a look at all the amazing guests that they've had on so far. Uh, they've had some really, really great guests. They've got a great format. It's video and audio, and um, they just do such a great job, and they're they're all legends. So uh, definitely check that out, and uh, I'll put links to to the podcast, his uh, Mark's social media pages, so Mark Tushup. Uh, Lucas on Facebook, um, Too Sharp Lucas on Instagram, whatever. I'll chuck it all in the show notes so you can click through and go and say hi to Mark and uh, and go and uh, go and cheer him on uh, when he when he goes into battle this Friday. Uh, before we wrap it up, Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Dowling is the best way to support this podcast. I'm going to go into that spiel, folks, but um, my big my big goal for this year is to get as many $1 supporters as possible. $1 is not much. $1 a month. And I understand it is something, but it's not much. And when you support with $1, and there's a lot of you that support with $1, um, that can do some pretty incredible things for me. But I think more importantly, putting the money aside, the validation and just the, the backing from the Patreon community is just... It just fuels my fire. It's just incredibly inspiring and uh, motivating to to continue to have uh, great conversations with with people like Mark and uh, and just continue to stay focused and and continue to build. I don't know how many times I can say continue, but I'm going to say it again. Continue to build the Antisocial Podcast. So thank you so much to everybody who has supported me on my Patreon journey and uh, the podcast in 2021. In fact, I should just read out the top tier supporters on Patreon. These guys are the heavy hitters, the heavy lifters. They are the significant contributors 
to uh, to Patreon. So thank you very much to Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from Daniloquin, Dan from Dapto, Rod from Rayleigh in North Carolina, Patrick from Canberra, Liam from Brisbane, Chris from Sydney, Brendo from Leeton, Tim from Canberra, James from Brisbane, Christian from Canberra, Steve from the Gold Coast, and Andrew from Sydney. There's quite a few Canberrians there. So um, Canberra boys, go to the fight. If you've got nothing else to do on Friday night, go and check that one out. Uh, but thank you so much, guys. Um, these guys are part of the wider community of just incredible people that have made the decision to support me um, over at Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. There are additional tiers if you want access to the Patreon podcast episode that comes out every week and uh, free stuff, giveaways, uh, free t-shirts, free merch, free whatever the hell I get in the post from different people. I usually get extra copies of things. So I always uh, give first dibs to to my mates in, in Patreon. And, uh, and then we go from there. But uh, it's, a, it's a fun little community. I have a lot of fun recording the podcast. And in, in fact, if you go back a couple of episodes, you'll be able to see episode 50 of my Patreon Crazy Talk uh, podcast in the antisocial feed because I actually made this one public. So if you want a taste of how fucking ridiculous my Patreon episodes are, have a listen to that one because, um, well... Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So I'll leave it at that. So you can you can tell me what you think of it after you listen to it. So go over to patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. Uh, before we wrap it up, um, next episode. Next episode. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm really sort of going last minute Larry at the moment um, and just just trying to scramble. I've got episodes recorded, then, then I find these new people to talk to and I record them at the last minute and, and squeeze them in. And so everything's out of whack. But I've got episodes, I've got lots of great chats, and I'm just so happy that I've got so many amazing stories and things to share with you guys. So I don't know who's next, because I'm recording this a little bit in advance, um, but no doubt it'll be amazing. So stay tuned for that. Um, and look, before I wrap it up, but just with a little bit of housekeeping as well, sorry, I will wrap it up. I'm, I'm just getting on a roll here. I'm trying not to yap, yap on too much, but I've got a few more things I need to talk about. Housekeeping. All right. Now, Lord, uh, if... You are a Lord fan, or you like a couple of our songs over over the, over our career to date, but you haven't got the Undercovers album yet. Can you do me a favour? Can you go over to Bandcamp, lordofficial.bandcamp.com, and go and pick up a copy of the album? It can be the digital version, it could be um, the CD version, or, or you can pick up some merch as well as t-shirts, as hoodies, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, just go and go and grab it. Every every piece of merch comes with the digital. Uh, download of the full album as well. So uh, 23 tracks, there's two hours of podcasting where Tim and I go through all 23 songs, talk about the stories behind the songs, just a lot of context around the history of the band, lots and lots of stuff there. Very informative if you ask me and uh, a lot of bang for buck. But um, the reason why I'm making a point for people to to get, get amongst it and to go and pick up a copy is that um, we are on a roll at the moment. Uh, so just over the past several days, uh, we've discovered that we debuted at number seven in the Australian ARIA charts, and we also debuted at number one in the Australian independent charts as well. Uh, so just uh, pretty pretty incredible. I don't exactly have all the words yet. I'm still, it hasn't quite sunk in. I'm in total PR mode and marketing mode and sales mode at the moment uh, just to try and keep the, the momentum going, the momentum going. So um Go and grab a copy of the album. Go and check out the songs. They are on Spotify and Apple Music as well, so you can go and stream them. Give them a bit of love. But um, for those of you that have picked it up so far, thank you so much because it's because of your decision to purchase the album that we are in mainstream music charts, like a bunch of buff heads from Wollongong and Sydney that play heavy metal, like 80s-inspired heavy metal, 
and we're sitting up there with, I don't know, Guy Sebastian, um, bloody The Wiggles, Cold Chisel, In Excess, Jimmy Barnes. Even we, we hit number 54, I should say, in the national ARIA charts, which includes all international artists. And I'll tell you who's a few places down from us, like The Foo Fighters, um, The Beatles, um, some of these, I mean, some of these albums have been out for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. The Beatles, Abbey Road, but uh, we sold more in that week than some of these big names. And, uh, I think that's pretty cool. You know, I'm going to have my little moment of glory and, uh, and try and let that sink in at some point in time over beers. But for the time being, I want to stay in the charts for at least another couple of weeks, even if we just go down a bit further. So guys, gals, everybody jump over to Bandcamp, lordofficial.bandcamp.com. Go and pick up a copy. If you want a discount code, um, hit me up. There's a couple of couple of codes floating around. Uh, shoot me a DM and I will hook you up depending on what you want. I've got a really good discount code if you just want the, the digital album only. Um, if you just want some merch, then you can use the code AndySocial and uh, get, get a nice little discount on that as well. But uh, I'd love to, love to get your support and see what we can do. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes in the Lord Camp. We are firing on all cylinders, a lot of surprises coming and uh, looking forward to sharing a lot of that stuff with you in the coming weeks and months ahead. So there we go. Um, I think that's it. The only other thing I was going to say is that the usual, a uh, bit of social media love, folks. Support the podcast, if you, especially if you're not uh, sort of a Patreon supporter. Um, social media love, sharing this around, uh, finding some mates who might identify and connect with some of the guests who've been on the podcast over the past 287 episodes over the past five and a half years of Andy Social. Uh, find some people in the back catalogue and uh, reach out to some of these guests. If anything, here's a call to action. I don't know how many people are going to be listening this far into the outro, but go go back to episode two. Go back, don't listen to episode one. That's absolutely horrendous. But go and listen to episode two with Andrew Craig. It's, it's rough around the edges. I mean, we're just getting started. We don't even know what we're doing. But go back and listen to it and then go and message Andrew Craig and just say, hey, I just heard you on the Andy Social podcast on episode two. Fantastic. Loved it. Thank you so much for, you know, for, for entertaining me. And I tell you what, that guy's head is going to explode. His ego is just going to get out of control, but I want it to happen. So go and do it. Go and listen to that episode if you haven't already, and then go and flick him a little message and let him know what you thought, because uh, you know that was five and a half odd years ago, and um, I think people tend to forget that they were even on this podcast. So every once in a while, I get a message from one of these guests from three or four years ago, and they're like, I'm still getting messages from people just saying that they enjoyed the, the show, and that is one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. So, so cool. So anyway, enough from me. Until next episode, folks, take care and ta-ta. Larry. Larry, please.